Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig, and I'm here with Rocky Fleming, our founder of Influencers Global Ministries. Welcome, Rocky. Good morning. Uh, we are continuing our five-part series on the top five things men struggle with. And uh, if, if you've missed any of the ones we've done before, you be sure and listen to those on our podcast page. If you go to the, the website, influencers.org forward slash podcast, you'll find those, uh, or on your podcast app on your smartphone. But we're in part four of the series, uh, and we, the one we're going to talk about today is sounds a little strange maybe, but uh, it might not sound as obvious as you might think, but uh, we're going to say that one of the top five things men struggle with is stewardship. And that stewardship is kind of a churchy word, but uh, Rocky and I were talking. We could have said uh, finances, we could have said a lot of number, number of things, but we're just going to call this stewardship. So Rocky, what, let's uh, dive into... Why did we say stewardship something that men struggle with? Well, stewardship includes finances, mm-hmm. but it is not exclusively finances. Right. But honestly, most of us think it is, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever we had any kind of exposure to the word stewardship is when it was in our church when there was a stewardship drive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And why was there a stewardship drive? Well, because we need to get our budget up. We need to know what you're going to pledge for the year, okay? Or we've got a building to build or a wing to add. Or there's something that we are trying to get in the form of raising, actually raising money and much-needed money for the support of that ministry or that church. Uh, But we give a wrong impression in thinking that stewardship is only about money. And the reason why we didn't want to talk about finances particularly is we would be talking about a symptom. Um, But if we talk about stewardship, we can go to the heart of the possibility or the problem. And the problem is we don't understand stewardship. But the possibility is how broad it includes our life. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a stewardship of our time. There's a stewardship of our spiritual gifts. There's a stewardship of our experiences. There's a stewardship of our responsibilities as fathers, as husbands, as sons and daughters. But most of all, there is a stewardship responsibility to the King of Kings Mm -hmm. because we are the steward of his people. The, the finances that we might want to include in that, really, they're his finances. The Old Testament view of that was that you had 100% going in and 10% goes to the storehouse and 90% yours to keep. And the Old Testament point of view is that this is mine and that's God's. And this is where we get the word pay a tithe. I don't like that. I don't like it when somebody says pay a tithe. Uh, I like it when we give a tithe. I like it when we uh, tithe by faith, even though we have a hard time doing that. 
honestly, I have a different view about tithe. I don't necessarily think it's 10%. I, I think I've mentioned that before because I think God is looking at generosity, not the amount we give or whatever. But I think everybody needs to have some kind of formula as far as uh, plan giving. And, and the reason why is because we began to make it a habit. It becomes part of us. And it's a foundation that we build on with understanding stewardship. That's only one part of it. And so if we can help all of the men out there who know Christ, who uh, are learning to walk with him, who are now identifying their spiritual gifts if they've got them, they're looking at the circle of influence they have in their, in their world. If they can begin looking at that through the eyes of a steward, then they can see how they can now begin to embrace the reinvestment of their life into God's kingdom and get far greater than just a gift of money. Well, you know, when I was when I was nominating finances as one of the top things men struggle with, I did that because I see so many men uh, who seem to be up to their eyeballs in debt, mm-hmm. seem to be really, you know, stressed about money. Uh, seems to be most divorces happen because of money matters. Right. I, it seems that Jesus talked a lot about money in the Bible. So, you know, is there a correlation though somewhere in here of that? Well, there is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little test here. Okay. You're, you're the guinea pig. Oh, boy. Okay, so men are up to their eyeballs in debt, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so here's, here's the test. Why? Uh, well, obviously, I think it's because they're uh, trying to satiate their, all these things they think they need with money they don't have. <laughs> you know, they're, they're overspending. Now, I might <laughs> overdo this, but why? <laughs> um, well, they're thinking those things are going to fill some satisfy them in some way that that uh, that some void they have in their life. Right. I'm guessing, yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because they're not finding their sufficiency in Christ. How about that? Why? Uh, bad training. No one's discipled them. I don't know. Maybe I'm running to the end of my explanations. Well. I think you're narrowing in on it, actually. And yeah. I think what you're doing is that you, you're, you're, you're looking at all these other things that they're symptoms of something going on that's missing. Mm-hmm. And what's going on that is missing is the intimate relationship with Christ that gives us a different view of our world, mm. a different view of our life and the responsibilities we have. Now, we buy into counterfeits all the time. Uh, we And it is a counterfeit, by the way, to think that all I need is a new car to make me feel happy and significant and secure. All I need is a bigger house to make me feel like I've made it. All I need is a new wife that's prettier stand at my side because the old one's, well, she's getting old and whatever. You see, all of those are counterfeits, and, and they actually disclose what is not in the heart of that man. And they're trying to do things to fill a void. So you have to go back to, well, why? And it's always going to come down to this one thing, and that is you cannot be able to impact your world outside your life unless you are so healthy. Hmm. It has to begin there. 
stewardship of your life grows out of a soul-healthy condition. And honestly, I think that we're guilty in the body of Christ of trying to treat men symptomatically. Right? That's right. I mean, so they've got problems with um, spending. So what do we do? Well, we put them on a check-writing system. Or we say, you use tear up your credit cards. Or you, well, what you're doing is you're trying to yoke them. You're just trying to control the habit rather than changing the heart. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think that uh, I might be giving away more money than I've ever given in, in the past and have less money coming in because right now I think it's a greater privilege to be a part of giving away that which I used to jealously guard. Mm -hmm. Now, what would make that happen in me? It wouldn't be because I'm compelled by other people to make me do it. I do it because it's a privilege to join my king in helping extend his kingdom through my giving. But not just the giving money, giving your time. 73 years old in a couple of weeks. And, and give, God has given me a lot of experiences. Now, what if I did not have these podcasts? What if I didn't write? What if I didn't take time to mentor younger men? Would I be a steward of those experiences? Hmm. No, I wouldn't be. Uh, and as a grandfather, I'm spending time with my grandchildren. I'm helping to teach them how to self-feed. Early on now, they're starting to get that into their, into their life. Uh, if I didn't do that, I would not be a steward of the opportunity. Hmm. And, um, and so, stewardship is far greater than finances. And finance is only symptomatic of something else that's going on. Uh, let's go to the heart of the issue with people uh, to find out why they're going down a particular path, why they're struggling with something. And generally, we can back it down and find that if they will begin to embrace a true stewardship outlook of life, of their life, then things start to really come into fine focus. Well, you know, this is, a, I don't know if it's the first time I've heard you say this, but we, we always talk about, about abiding, about everything. Abiding in Christ yeah. is the key to everything. So you're, what you're saying is abiding in Christ will help a man with his finances. Of, help him get his house in order. What do you What do you think? Well, let me let me read you a verse that I picked up this morning uh, that uh, really stood out to me. Uh, and I, I've been journaling through Mark, and uh, and I just had gone through a lot of the miracles that Jesus had walked on the water, fed the five thousand, uh, healed a deaf man. I mean, right, left, all around him. And here's what it said: These were the people that were observing this. And, and it says, and they were astonished, and excuse me, this is Mark 7, 37. It says, and they were astonished beyond me measure, saying, he has done all things well. And, I, and that just, just was like a flashing neon sign that got my attention. He has done all things well. That's what Jesus does, Brian. He does all things well in our life if we let him do the things in our life that he's capable of doing. Mm. Now, there were people that were in those crowds 
that saw him heal those people and feed those people. And they were the old scribes and Pharisees, right? And they were skeptics. They saw the miracles. They saw the good things that he did, amazingly good things that he did, but still they were skeptics. They chose not to believe. And I asked the question this morning, well, what, Lord, what is that all about? You know, why, why were these people so hardened and they could see the same miracles that are going on, but why would they be so hardened? And, and the thought came to me that, well, maybe it was because of the way he was packaged. Maybe he just didn't look successful. Maybe he didn't look royal or holy enough. After all, you know, he hung around sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and common people. He touched lepers. Gosh, that was illegal. He, uh, he healed people on the Sabbath, and that was illegal. And everything they tended toward saying that he did was they were per perturbed about it because it broke their rules. You know, Jesus said to those people, said, holding on to the traditions of men, you teach them as equal to the precepts of God. So they had made their, their traditions equal to God's precepts. And so when Jesus came in there walking in among them, they couldn't see him. They did not see him for who he was because of the way he was packaged. And I got to thinking about that because I think that, that we might be guilty of that in, in a lot of the Christian culture, that we think that maybe the only people that uh, have anything to say that's worthwhile listening or reading, they have to be packaged a certain way. Maybe they need to have gone to seminary. Maybe they need to be a, behind a pulpit. And those are all good. I'm not, I'm not faulting those. But I am for sure not limited to just them. Yeah. But I think a lot of people would say, well, how can a businessman have anything really to do? I mean, he, he's just like me. You know, that's what they were saying about Jesus. Who is it? I mean, we see him, saw him grow up. Who does he think he is? Now he's coming back looking and acting like this. I remember him when. He said a prophet in his own land is without honor. So, you know, it, it was, he just didn't have the look of the way he was supposed to look. And I, and I thought about that. You know, what a shame. Because I see this, and you see it in influencers, that men and women are raised, being raised up all over this country and in the world that are uh, purveyors of the gospel, missionaries, making disciples right and left, and they're businessmen and women. They're factory workers. They're retired people. They're teachers. And they're doing an outstanding job of ministry. But you know where it happens? It's because Jesus is occupying that place of intimacy in their hearts, and guess what he is? He does all things well. And that's what happens is that when we begin to be a steward of our relationship with him, then that unleashes his power to do all things well through our life. And name it, giving of finances. We begin giving, giving hilariously. Mm. 
generously. And you know, it always comes back. God does that. Giving our time, we do so, so enthusiastically. We wash feet because we feel like we're washing the feet of Jesus. Hmm. And that can only happen, though, if a man's heart is right with Christ. So that's where stewardship is, Brian. It's, it's bigger than just what we dole out from the pocketbook. It's what comes from our heart. Well, I think it's, I think it's really giving Jesus your whole life. I mean, giving him rights to your whole life. I, I'm remembering a couple years ago, uh, I went on a trip with one of our leaders to learn about how to raise resources for a ministry and all that kind of stuff. And he introduces this idea of one kingdom instead of two kingdoms. Mm -hmm. He said, most of us think we have our kingdom, which is our resources we've made in our, in our retirement account and everything we've saved up right. and worked hard for. And, and then our job is to give part of that kingdom to God's kingdom yeah. in a different kingdom mm -hmm. over here. And this guy said, oh, no, no. When you decide you're going to follow Christ, you have one kingdom. It's one kingdom, and you're, he's just allowing you to be a steward over his kingdom and the resources he's given you for one kingdom. And that just blew the guy I was with. It just blew his mind away because he really had thought of it as two different things. Well, there's a distinction that you made j just now, and I think that we need to understand that. And, and you said when one decides to follow Christ. Yeah. Because the Old Testament stewardship issue was 90-10, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 10% God's kingdom, 90% my kingdom. And then when Christ came on the scene, it became 100% his kingdom. Mm. And we just take from it as stewards. But he is so generous. Mm. You know, because that scares a lot of people to think that, oh, my goodness, am I going to have to start giving more? <laughs> 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 and that's why I keep saying, forget about it. Get your heart right and just let him talk to you. Mm. Believe me, you'll be doing more than you ever thought you would be, but you'll be loving it more than you ever thought you would either. Mm. And uh, it's a faith walk. You have to step out in faith. Uh, but I want to go back to this thing all, uh, about stewardship is broader than just money. Right, right. And I, and I want to talk about stewardship of things like our marriage, okay? Okay. Uh, now, keep in mind, when we get within proximity with Christ, this is what happens in our marriage. He does all things well. So that means that he begins to work in our life to know how to relate with our spouse. He teaches us how. Why is that? Because he does all things well. Mm. I'm going to hammer this home, okay? <laughs> I get on something like I'm a broken record. I know that. <laughs> but let's, let's, use, let's go with it a while. Sure, sure. All right, so what are some other issues that men face? Marriage. Uh, Finances, we've already talked about that. Time, uh, can you think of any others? Uh, their career. Okay. So we're driven by uh, why? What's our career represent to us? Uh, well, I mean, it, you know, it's on a basic level, it's our provision, but it's okay. also our identity, I really? think, for a lot of guys. Is it really our provision? Do you think that's all it is? Because I think that most people get their provisions made about the first week and the next three weeks is working way beyond the provision so they can buy a lot of toys and create a lot of debt and have a lot of false sense of security. Am I right on that? Yeah, I think you are. Yeah. And we are excessive. We work excessive hours. We take one or two or three jobs. We're always thinking about a way to accumulate more wealth. Why? 
Because we're fearful. Why are we fearful? Remember what we talked about last? Mm -hmm. Is we're fearful because we have not gotten in touch with perfect love. Because mm -hmm. perfect love casts out all fear. you got to always go back to that why, 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 why. Mm -hmm. What we do out here is a result of what is good going on in our hearts or what is not going on in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And when you start seeing this good thing going on in our hearts because of the relationship, it's going to filter to every aspect of our life. And that is the stewardship because we're invited to the kingdom. We're invited to the world around us. As a friend, I'm a steward of friendship. As a, as, as a church member, I'm a steward in the way I serve in my church. I'm a steward of my time with my family. And we're always processing through the decisions that we make, what would Jesus do? I love that bracelet, WWJD. Mm -hmm. What would Jesus do? And we ask that question, all right, what would Jesus do in that situation? And this is when we began to think like a steward. Hmm. Well, what about, you know, uh, you and I have talked about, uh, I was thinking that when you told me about, I think it was Corey Ten Boom, who <clears throat> talked about holding on to everything so tightly, you know, yeah. and all that. And you, we can talk about that, but... Uh, the connected thought is if we're if we're not going to listen to God and do it his way and just going to keep trying to to run our little kingdom and all that it seems like he'll allow trials to come in yeah to to show us that we're building our house on a on yeah. sand or, or whatever you know in love he does that yeah you know uh and when we're in a bad situation and it requires discipline it's because we've got a ongoing sin in our life that he's trying to get us to get rid of and he'll 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 it'll be miserable for us. And greed could be a sin, right? I mean, yeah, you know, well, greed is a sin. Yeah, and you know, the love of money is a root of all kind of evils. Not mm -hmm. the root, but is a root mm -hmm. of all kind of evil. Which means that that love has symptoms. It'll filter in so many ways. Which one of it is greed? Mm -hmm. uh, but you know the the. But, you know, our, our whole concept of, of this stewardship angle is to understand that it, it has to be a union with Christ to be able to be the kind of steward that he wants us to be. Otherwise, we just become performers. Mm -hmm. We become actors. And he wants it to be real. He wants it to be something inside out. And that's why I'm always going to go there. And I do believe that... The verse meant so much to me about he can he does all things well. That addresses about everything that I deal with, all the responsibilities I have, and just take it. Let's just talk about my ministry as a writer. Um, he does all things well, and when I'm listening to him, and when I'm surrendered to him, so he can flow to me, then what comes to me and comes out of me is something that I cannot do, but it's something that he can do. And when he does it, guess what? It is done well. Mm. And then, you know, in any kind of leadership situation, um, you know, you can lead by disciplines that you've learned uh, that you could require of other people and require of yourself. 
But I have found that the greatest leadership is done by inspiration. Uh, you know, we have, a, we have a volunteer army that we work with. I mean, we don't have any leverage. Well, we're going to fire them. <laughs> we got to pay them. <laughs> and our ministry is based on volunteer labor. So what do you do? Do you require anything of them? Do you require performance? No, you inspire them. You have to inspire them. They have to join the message and, the, and be the messengers. That's all we are, messengers. And they join in that with us. And we equip them and help them and train them. That's our job. That's our duty. That's our call. But it has to come because of our connection with our king who gives us instruction. And the biggest instruction that we have with these people out here is come and find what we're finding. Join with us because when you do that, everything you will do, will all will be well because he's doing it through you. Mm. And that's why we're seeing some really magnificent things that are going on now. Because mm. people are getting that. They're understanding it. So, so for, for people out there listening, I, I guess we, we've been hitting some of the symptoms just to kind of draw, because these are things most of us think about. Mm -hmm. But what would you think? Would you encourage them to, to pay attention to those symptoms, and, but then turn inward and, and dig a little deeper on what's going on with me? That is a really good question. And I do it all the time, by the way. Let me give you an example. In Matthew 5, uh, we know that it says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, tenderness, self-control, godliness. Mm -hmm. You can read it. Uh, those are symptoms. You know that? Mm. Those are symptoms. Those are characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And when those things are showing up in our life, that tells us what? That we're under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It also tells us that we are abiding in Christ because he said, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. And one of the first fruit that shows up is going to be his characteristics. Mm -hmm. That's what, why we always saying it's a transformation. Now, before that, though, it talks about the deeds of the flesh. It says the deeds of the flesh are evident. Enmity, strife, jealousy, rage. Read it for yourself. But those are symptoms. And what is it a symptom of? One, the other one, the fruit of the Spirit, is the symptom of being in a Christ-controlled life. But what are the other symptoms? They're symptoms of a flesh-controlled life. Mm -hmm. That means we're controlling our own self, not Him. Now, how, how easy would it be to fall back into that? Well, get out of an abiding relationship and you'll see how easy. You go back to seed. You go back to your normal state because that's where we come from. That's what has to be yoked. That flesh has to be yoked, and it's in the yoke with Christ in the abiding relationship that the animal within us is held at bay, and it gives the spirit the opportunity to take center stage. Hmm. He comes out of us. He begins to show, and when he does that, those fruit of the spirit engages those gifts of the Spirit that we have. And guess what? When he does that, they are all done well because mm. it's him doing it. Mm. Always goes back to that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of remembering when we decided we wanted to try the journey with couples. Mm -hmm. And I was on the curriculum team with you and a few other guys. And, and, and we started realizing, well, 
most of the curriculum did need to be changed on on abiding in Christ and seeking God is willing, all the, all the, all the front part of the journey. But on the back end, living it out, we thought we'd kind of rewrite it into be like a marriage curriculum. Yeah. And then we had some good pastors on the curriculum, so we were going to write this great cur- new curriculum. And God wouldn't let us mess with it. Yeah. Because I think what he was trying to say is, just go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. If you get two people abiding in me, by default, they're going to start having a better marriage because they're going to start treating each other better and loving each other better. Well, look at it this way, too. You know how easy it is to follow them. Those were good intentions now. Right. We right. had a good heart, good intentions, good objectives. How can we strengthen marriages? That was our agenda, wasn't it? Sure. Okay. Another way of saying that is how can we bear fruit? <laughs> Yeah. What can we do to bear fruit? And we forgot that bearing fruit goes back to abiding in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's the same way with marriages. If you want to have the fruit of a good marriage, then you got to go back to abiding in Christ because he can build a marriage exceptionally well because mm-hmm. he does all things well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a marriage is complex. Learn to communicate learning to put somebody ahead of, your, ahead of your own needs, being sensitive, um, not being too sensitive, uh, a lot of things that go along with that. It's fluid. You know, we're always changing. You know, and when we're 20s, we have different points of views in 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s on up the ladder. And there are a lot of things that are, that are gained during that journey but there are also some things that um, are discarded. And when they get discarded, many times, if we're walking, walk, walking on this path with Jesus and our marriage, then our marriage starts to get closer and better and closer and better because that's what he's doing. He's walking us to that where all things are done well. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a stewardship responsibility in our marriage as husbands to be leaders to be servant leaders, to be Christ in, in the flesh. Mm. And we do that by letting him have his way with us so that his characteristics will show in our life. And that's why stewardship is more than just finances. Well, I was even thinking, even if your spouse is not abiding in Christ, we still have that same stewardship. Yeah. And, and our influence can can slowly get her maybe. attention. Maybe. You maybe. Know. But, you know, we don't do it for that reason. No, we don't. No. And there, there again, see, we oftentimes say, well, I want to change things, but therefore use this formula. Right. Forget that. Yeah. you got to quit that. can't think that way. you got to do it because, one, he deserves it, and, two, you need it. That's right. We've got to come into that close proximity of Christ. We can't use Jesus to accomplish what we want. Right. That's right. Which I see a lot of. And I get very discouraged by some people mm-hmm. that tend toward um, using the name of Jesus to sell or the networks that we have to try to develop their networks for business. Mm-hmm. And it, again, why do they do that? Driven by fear. You know, they just don't have that stewardship uh, understanding mm-hmm. about how to live their life. Uh, in such a way that it, it does, it's not driven by a hidden agenda. It has a very singular agenda, and that is they want to honor Christ with their life. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. All right, Rocky. Well, thank you for your time, and uh, I, th- I think there were some good nuggets in there for, for people to chew on and wrestle with. So uh, 
Anyway, this is the Influencers Network podcast. Thank you for listening today. And uh, you can listen to the podcast again on our website, influencers.org. There's a lot of other resources there as well, videos and ways to start a journey group. And there's a map of the United States. You can see where we're, where our regions are developing. And I'd love to get you plugged into a journey group if you've never done that because that happens to be a great tool that we have to help you find this intimate abiding relationship with Christ. But anyway, uh, join us next week when uh, you'll get the conclusion of this uh, five-part series on the five top five things men struggle with. But uh, for now, I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Ministries, and I'm your host today. And I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.